This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. No time for chatter. Let's get at her. Scary stuff is first tonight with Inner Sanctum. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mystery, starring Simone Simone. friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is, of course, Raymond, your host. Uh, please come in, won't you? Uh, make yourself comfortable in any gloomy corner. We had intended to have a real surprise for you tonight. Instead of myself, we were going to have a guest ghost to act as host. But, uh, unfortunately, this real ghost caught pneumonia and he's in a very grave condition. The doctors have given up all hope. He's, uh, going to become alive. <laughs> well, Mr. Raymond, I must admit, I'm glad that that ghost couldn't come. Mm? It's difficult enough to talk to you, but heavens, I wouldn't know what to say to a ghost. Oh, well, that's simple, Mary. All you have to do is find out whether it's uh, a he-ghost or a she-ghost. And if it's a she? Oh, then you compliment her on her appearance. You say, darling, what a divine sheet you're wearing. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Raymond. Hmm. The ladies are always interested in something new to wear. Hmm. And right now, I'm going to tell them about something they'll all want. It's a lovely piece of jewelry. A real sterling silver medallion about an inch in diameter. It's the kind of jewelry you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. But the only way you can get it is from Lipton's. The medallion is decorated with a Chinese inscription, and it's hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon. That's the height of fashion this year, you know. And here's how you get the medallion. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And uh, now it's time to begin... Our story is called The Black Art. It's an original tale by Milton Lewis. And our star tonight is that glamorous motion picture star, Simone Simone, who play the role of Claudine. So uh, gather close and get ready to hear a sweet little tale that'll make you wake up screaming for at least the next two weeks. You all set? Now remember, if you don't want your hair to stand on end, get someone to... Sit on your head, okay? <laughs> All right, now, let's, uh, let's hear Larry Gifford tell you his story in his own words. 
wish I never heard that scream. I wish I never saw a body lying there. Blood all over the room. The knife on the floor near her throat. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how I picked up the knife. I'll never forget the sweat that came creeping out all over me when I heard the door slam. Stand where you are. You make a move, I'll blow your head off. Don't you, copper. Drop that knife. Okay. What's your name? Larry. Larry Gifford. Look, I'm from Chicago. Stranger, huh? Yeah, what of it? What's her name? Her? I, uh, I don't know. I never saw her before. Look, you don't have to frisk me. I haven't got a gun. Shut up. Listen, I, I know it looks bad, but you see, my room's downstairs. I heard a scream, and I... Give me back that wallet. Yeah. Your hands up. Parole papers. Whatever. So I'm an ex-con, so what? You don't know her, huh? No, I don't. I... What? What have you got there? Just a picture I found in your wallet, mister. Picture of her. To Larry. With all my love, Nancy. Reckon you forgot about this, huh? Yeah, but look, I didn't kill her. I... I Shut I... up. I think I heard that screaming came up here. Pull out your hands. Sure. You can have them. Here. Come back here. Come back. I didn't get far. The crowd in the streets laughed me. They got it when they heard the shots and scream. I was dumped in jail. Well, this was a little bird in the bio country, not far from New Orleans. I was the biggest thing that hit the town since Ripley's Believe It or Not. For them jerks, my trial was a bigger show than Carmen Miranda and Gypsy Rose Lee doing a trapeze act. In no time at all, they sentenced me to be hung. It was the night before they were going to take me to the state pen for the necktie party. I was sleeping. Dreaming I was in Africa. They were beating them drums. Tom-toms. Suddenly I woke up. Moonlight was shining through the bars of my cell. I listened. Someone was beating like a tom-tom on the wall of my jail. Who is it? Who's doing that? Larry Garrett. Yeah, that's me. Were you beating on the wall? Yes. I'm under your cell window. What do you want? Drop one end of your tie through the bars. Okay. There. I've got it. What are you doing? Pull up your tie. Okay. <laughs> got it? A gun? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Good luck. Goodbye. Thanks, baby. Whoever you are. What's going on there, Gifford? Huh? Oh, nothing. Why? I heard talking. Oh, I, I was talking in my sleep. Never done that before. I never was going to be hung before. What you holding there? Come here, I'll show you. Let's see. Uh, a gun. Yeah, and it's got enough bullets to fill your head with lead. <laughs> Go there. Open that door. Open it or I'll give it to you between the eyes. Go on. Right. Don't you... Okay, now I'll take your gun. Give me those keys. See how you like it in there for a while. Come on. Stop him! He's in his chest! Let's go! He's in his chest! 
bar. Someone told me it was a good joint where they don't ask any questions. It was. I had a few drinks. I was leaning on the bar, looking at a paper. What are you drinking? Scotch. Buy me one. I gave it once over. I know something about Dave since she was dynamite with class. She was something. Well? Get up another, Charlie. Cigarette? Yeah. Thank you. It's a nice cigarette holder. Must cost at least a C. You know a lot, don't you? Enough. I know you. Do you? Sure. There's something about... Wait a second. Here. Here in this evening's paper, your picture. Oh, it's not a very good picture, is it? After seeing you, no. Claudine Lucerne. Recently returned from France. Elected head of art committee. Miss Lucerne, member of one of New Orleans' oldest and wealthiest families. I've read it. Turn the page. Why? I want to show you something. Okay. There. Larry Gifford of Chicago, wanted for murder, is sought by police after sensational Jane Blair. I don't read anymore. Why? Feel something against your side? Yes. It's a gun. I'm holding it in my pocket. Don't be afraid. I won't give you away. Got a light? Yeah. What do you want? Listen to that music. That tapping. What about it? The way you're tapping your cigarette holder against your glass. I'm just keeping time to the music. I heard that tapping before. Yeah, sure, in the cell. And I heard your voice before. Did you? You gave me the gun. Shh, let me hear you. Uh, uh, what, what's, what's this all about? You'll find out. Relax. I, I can't. I guess I had a few too many. My head, I feel like I'm spinning around, getting dizzy. Two green eyes, pink with blood around the edges, looked at me out of a queer furry head. It was the head of a bat. It smiled. It had sharp little bat teeth that had pink on them. There was an ache in my throat. I looked again. It wasn't a bat's face. It was hers. Claudine's. I was dreaming. Mary? Hmm? Oh, well, where am I? My suite at the hotel. Ah. How'd I get here? You passed out on the blue bottle. I brought you here. When? Two hours ago. Oh, I must have been sleeping. I had the queerest dream. I thought... That... <clears throat> oh, oh. What's the matter? Oh, my, my throat. That pain. Like a knife. Those, those green eyes of yours... Red mouth. And those white teeth. Look, we're, we're going to have a showdown right now. I mean, I'm... Where's my gun? I took it. Look, what do you want with me? 
Nothing you don't want to do yourself. Don't talk in riddles. Have you have you ever been in love? Sure, dames are always falling for me. Why? I guess that's what happened to me. Are you kidding? No. Do you think I'd get you out of jail if I were? But I, I never saw you before. I saw you at the trial. That, that's where it happened. Oh, how can a dame like you go for a guy like me? I don't know. But it happened. I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Come here. Yes? I'm going to kiss you, baby. Larry. Oh, Larry. It's a funny thing to do. Kiss a guy on the neck. Better wipe that lipstick off. I... Hey. What's the matter? My handkerchief. That ain't lip rouge on my neck. It's blood. No, you're making a mistake. My neck's bleeding. What, what kind of a dame are you, anyway? I'm getting out. No, don't. If you go, I tell them who you are. Oh, you will. Yes, uh, and I... Ow! You won't tell them for a while, baby. Mark Grady's joint in the old city of New Orleans was just a place. She'd never find me in that dump. Nobody'd ever find you there. I got a room. I went to sleep. I was safe. Then I heard it again. That same rhythm. It woke me up. I heard it, but I couldn't believe it. How could she know I was here? Oh, was it her? There was nobody in the room. I opened the door. Nobody outside. I slammed it. The beating stopped. I turned around. Looking into the muzzle of a gun. Sit down, Larry. How'd you get here? My Grady ran to the room next to you. There's a connecting door. What? What's the idea of a gun? Can't you guess? Are you, you going to kill me? Maybe. Well, you, you're going to a lot of trouble to bump off a guy who's going to be hung anyway. Do you want to die? No. There is a way you can live. How? By coming with me. Yeah. What else have I got to do? Marry me. You're out of your head. You hate me? No. No, I, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'm, I'm scared of you. Yeah, I, I've never been scared of anybody the way I'm scared of you. Scared enough to do as I say? Maybe. I had hoped you would love me. Maybe I do. You're lying. No. No, baby. It's <laughs> no use. Look, what are you going to do? Kill you? No, put the gun down. Give me a break. Don't. Claudine's a kid of her words. When she tells someone she's going to kill him, she does it. She'd make a wonderful wife for some Frankenstein monster. She's attractive, a good killer, and she has a well-developed taste for blood. Hey, why should I hand her over to some other guy? She's just a gal for me. Oh, nonsense, Mr. Raymond. 
Why, Mary Bennett, I believe you're jealous. I am not. Yes, you are. You're thinking what a handsome couple you and I would make strolling down the avenue, me dressed in a shroud, and you wearing your new sterling silver medallion. Now, don't you go making fun of my lovely medallion, because I want all the ladies to send in for one. I know they're going to enjoy wearing it, because it's made of solid sterling silver, and it's really a fine piece of jewelry. Besides, there's a true story behind this medallion, an inspiring story. It seems that the original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese characters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, there's a story to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92. That's Box 92, New York City. Now, uh, let's get back to our star, Simone Simone, who seems to be making life hard for a guy named Larry. The last time we looked in, she had just shot him. But I've got a tip that that's only the beginning of his troubles. Uh, how about it, Larry? What happened then? I went down in a heap when she fired. The bullets caught me in the thigh. I lay there. Made out like I was dead. Larry. Larry. She fell for it. She bent over me. A gun in her hand. Larry. I... Take it easy, kid. Let go of my hand. How do I get that gun? Let go. Let go. Get that gun if I have to break your arm. No, don't. Oh. Okay. I've got it now. You shot me in the leg, but I'm still strong enough to get rid of you. Larry. I'm no angel, baby, but you're worse. Here's something I heard about, but I never believed. How'd you know I'd be here? How'd you know I'd be in the blue bottle? Go on, answer me. I've got nothing to tell you. Oh, you don't have to. It was magic. Black magic. Somebody nobody'd believe if I ever told him. There's only one thing to do with you. Yes? Kill you. But I ain't taking any chances like you did with me. When I kill you, you're going to stay dead. Those tom-toms are going to stop forever. You think so, Larry? I know it. Come here. Larry, Shut up. Oh! I knocked her out cold. She lay on the floor. I put the muzzle of the gun to her temple. She was so beautiful, it made you shiver. I pulled the trigger. I looked. What I saw nearly made me pass out. A little blue vein on her temple was beating. There wasn't a scratch on her. A little curl of red hair was twisted around her ear. Was I seeing things? I aimed the gun at her heart. Nothing. But a speck of blood. I stuck the muzzle between her eyes. Shot till the gun clicked empty. I looked. The white skin on her face looked more beautiful than ever. I had to get away. Out of the same city where she was, out of the same state, the same world. I let out for the open country, to the bayous on the river back in New Orleans. My wounds festered as I dragged myself through the swamps, and I got a fever. It was like a nightmare. In my head, I kept hearing them tom-toms. 
I couldn't take a train or a bus or go to a doctor. I'd be caught. One night I saw a big house shining in the moonlight. I decided to take a chance. I knocked at the door. What is it? Sorry, miss. I was hunting. I had an accident in my leg. Oh. If you let me come in and call a doctor, I'd be very grateful. You don't want to come into this house. Oh, can't you see? I need help. You'll never be helped here. There's nothing good here, only evil and fear. So go away, please. I'm warning you. Go away before my sister comes out. What's the matter with you? Don't you see? I can hardly move. Go away while you still have the strength to crawl away. Now, believe me. Tell Mr. Gifford to come in and close the door, Cassie. That voice. That's my sister. It's your sister. Claudine Lassan. Good evening, Larry. I was wondering when you'd get here. You know him? Yes. Mr. Gifford and I are old friends. Friends. How can you have a friend now, Cassie? He's someone like you. You mustn't mind her, Larry. Cassie isn't quite well. I don't know who you are, Mr. Gifford. But I do know that she's brought you here to kill me. Cassie? I knew it would happen on a night like this when the moon was full. She's been preparing for it for months. I've told everyone about it, but no one will believe me. I've told them again and again, and they say I'm insane. They think I've lost my mind. But she is going to murder me tonight while the moon is full. She's going to murder me. She... Go to your room, Cassie, immediately. here. Come, Larry. You must know by this time that you can't fight me. Yes, I... I thought I'd never see you again. I'm, I'm not well. I've got a fever. Hey, that tom-tom being in my brain. I can't stop it. It's getting louder and louder. What? I blacked out. When I opened my eyes again, I was in a soft bed with clean sheets. Someone had dressed my wounds. The moonlight came into my room like a living yellow ghost. And I heard it. Just like the one Nancy made when she was killed. I limped out of bed, went to the room next door. It was Kathy on the floor, murdered. The knife was still in her neck. And I heard it again. The tom-tom. Queer sounding this time. I felt myself beginning to sway to the rhythm like a dancer. Then I did something I couldn't stop myself from doing. I put my hands down throughout the knife. I wiped my bloody hand on my shirt. Suddenly I looked up. She was there. Claudine. Drop the knife, Larry. What? What have you got in your hands? These? These came from the skeleton of someone who was once alive. You're not a woman. You're a devil. I'm going to... Don't come any closer, Larry. I don't want to kill you just yet. Just Just yet? So we're close to the payoff. Yes. You're trembling, Larry. Who are you? There's no reason why I cannot tell you now. You don't believe, do you, that there are unseen powers that can be controlled by someone who knows how? I can believe anything about you. Thank you, Larry. Your heart is pounding like a throbbing drum, isn't it, Larry? 
You can feel death close, can't you? What have you got to say to me? I'm going to tell you a story, Larry. A story of a child who was brought up on this estate by a strange old woman, a Kanjia woman. In her head were all the black arts of the world. She taught me. Why are you telling me this? It amuses me to watch you, a murderer, helpless and terrified. So terrified you can hardly breathe. I find it very exciting. Then it, it was blood I found on my hatchet. Yes. It is one of the ways to gain complete power over a person. And a tantal. Another spell to make you do what I want. And the murder of your sister? You want me to be the patsy for that? You're beginning to understand. You see... Cassie and I inherited the estate. There's really not enough for both of us. You'll tell him I did it. Yes. And that I killed you in self-defense. What, what are you looking at me that way for? I was remembering something. Remembering? Oh. That kiss, baby, wasn't it? You're a devil, but still a woman, ain't you? You didn't forget that kiss, did you? No. Well, what are you going to do? Come here. Closer. Well. Don't move. There. You, you can let me live. Live? Well, it's my life against yours, you fool. I'll put that gun down. When I'm finished. Please, give me a break. I'm begging you. Begging you? I'll do anything you say. Just give me a chance, please. Here it comes, Larry. Between your How do you feel today, Giffen? Much better, officer. Legs healing fine. We checked that crazy story you told us. It's all true. Tell me something. How'd you know to come to the Lusanne place when you're dead? You arrived just in time. A second later and she would have killed me. Kathy, her sister phoned us, told us to come out. I came in the room and saw her threatening you with a gun. I shot at her. I had to. Got her in the shoulder. Should have killed her. State will take care of that. Did you believe the story she told you at first? That I killed her sister and she was killing me in self-defense? No. You see, Gifford, we'd found out that you weren't a murderer. You didn't kill Nancy Warren. The man who did that confessed. That made her whole story false. How, how did she do it, Captain? How did she find out where I always went? Police psychiatrist said she did... Did it by post-hypnotic suggestion. She told you where to go while you were asleep, and you never realized that you were always doing just what you wanted. But the bullets, when I shot at her and tried to kill her, how'd she do that? It was all carefully planned. The first shot she fired at you were real bullets. The others in the gun were blanks. She wanted to get you so thoroughly under her power that you think she couldn't be killed. You see... All this so-called black magic has an explanation. Has it? I wonder. Oh, that black magic. <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to do. Step... Right this way, friends, and get yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion. Spell it backwards and you get murder. Uh, what's that? 
You can't spell. Ain't you lucky? Talking of luck, Mr. Raymond, I think Larry Gifford was mighty lucky to escape that awful woman. Oh, well, you see, Mary, it's very simple. He probably wore one of your good luck medallions. Oh, no, that's plain uh, silly. A man wouldn't wear a medallion on a black rayon satin ribbon. It's the ladies who like jewelry. Yes, that's why I know that they'll appreciate this solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people want to send them. And, ladies, here's how you get it. Send just 25 cents, which includes tax and postage, with a box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92 in New York City. The uh, moral for tonight's assault on your nerves is never marry a dame who sucks blood out of your throat. Such dames give you a pain in the neck. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Townsley Rogers. Yes, and don't you dare miss next week's story directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a pair of murderers who get scared to death. They're more frightened than the guy they're murdering. So if you hear some static on your radio next Tuesday, it'll just be their knees knocking together. <laughs> well, now I guess it's really time to close that there squeaking door. So, uh, good night for real. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, the next time you send a box of food to your boy overseas, be sure to include a package or two of Lipton's noodle soup mix. You see, Lipton's is just like a taste of home. Mm -hmm. It has the same homemade chickeny taste as the soup you make yourself. The soup your boy's always been so fond of. That's why it's such a thoughtful, welcome little gift to send Lipton's. And as you know yourself, Lipton's noodle soup makes a grand snack. So remember, send a package or two to your boy. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Now, here's Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of Red Letter Dessert. People who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, they're spending a quiet evening at home. George is lying on the couch smoking his pipe, 
And Liz is curled up in the easy chair, watching him. <laughs> George, you look like an Indian making smoke signals. Is that what you're doing? Ugh. <laughs> hey, send me a message in smoke signals. Ugh. Ooh, what you said. <laughs> Sorry, it was a typographical error. Oh. I'll get it. Oh, George, it's the Atterbury. Liz girl, George boy. George boy, Liz girl. Hi, folks. We came by to see if you wanted to go to a movie. The men is down at the corner. They is? <laughs> That's the name of the picture. Mm-hmm. With Marlon Brando. Woo! Well, what are we waiting for? Well, I don't know. It's a double feature with Jane Russell. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> well, we better get started. Okay, I'll go put on some lipstick while you change, George. Change? Well, certainly. You can't go looking like that. Well, why not? I've only worn this T-shirt twice. <laughs> George Cooper, do you mean to say you'd go to a movie in a T-shirt and those horrible old slacks? Well, Jane Russell isn't going to care. Of course, Marlon Brando might not like it. Don't you have any pride? Look at Mr. Atterbury. He's all dressed up. Say the word, boy, and I'll take my tie and shirt off. <laughs> Rudolph. Well, I'm just trying to make George feel comfortable, Lotus Bud. <laughs> You're not alone, Liz. We had the same scene before we left home. Rudolph wanted to wear dungarees, a sweatshirt, and sneakers. <laughs> We're suffering the curse of the middle classes, George. How I'd love to be poor enough or rich enough to go around dressed like a bum. (laughs) Boy, as it is, a man can't be comfortable going to a neighborhood... Buster! (laughs) Shut your big bazoo. (laughs) Buster! (laughs) Look, we're wasting valuable time. George, I'm not stepping out of this house with you in that outfit. If we were going dancing, I'd say you had a point. But who's going to see me? I get in the car, drive down there, sit in a movie for two hours, get in the car and drive home. And suppose we have an accident? (laughs) Oh, my Aunt Fanny. Suppose we hit another car and you're knocked unconscious? How will that picture look on the front page of the newspaper? You stretched out in a (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah, boy, she's right. Suppose they took you to the hospital. What self-respecting surgeon would operate on you in those clothes? (laughs) I didn't think of that. The blood would clash with these green flags. (laughs) You're both terribly amusing. George. Are you going to change your clothes, or are we going to stay home? Sounds like she means business, boy. Yeah, I know that tone. Well, come along, Mr. Atterbury, and help me pick out something. I can't decide whether to wear my chartreuse velveteen or my pink taffeta. (laughs) Oh, may I? (laughs) I just read Vogue, and I have some... Stunning idea. Have a cigar, Iris. 
tie-in shirt will pass inspection. Oh, yes, yes. Liz would be proud to have you in an accident looking like that. <laughs> oh, I hate ties. Oh, me too. Once I had the bright idea of painting a dark stripe down my chest. <laughs> did you try it? Yep. Did it work? Yep. Too well. Too well? Iris put a stick pin in it. <laughs> Ouch. You know, before we were married, Iris loved my baggy tweeds and open shirts. Today I wear the same outfit and I'm a sloppy crumb bum. Come on, crumb bum. The girls are waiting. Wait a minute, boy. I have an idea. They want us to be dandies. Let's be dandies. You mean... Sure, sure. We'll put on the fanciest clothes you've got. Let's give them a good dose of what they ask for. Hey, that's a wonderful idea. Wonderful, my foot. It's sheer genius. Let's look in your closet. We'll find something here. Yeah, let's... Oh, blue jeans, torn slacks, sweatshirts, old flannel bathrobes. Gad, what a wonderful wardrobe. <laughs> Thanks. It's taken me a long time to collect it. Here, here, what's this? A tailcoat and striped trousers. Oh, yeah. I wore those to my cousin's wedding six years ago. Oh, these will be perfect for you. Put them on. Wear them? Sure, sure. And I'll... I'll... Here, here. I'll wear a pair of your golf socks and stuff my trousers inside... So they look like knee bridges. <laughs> Take this lace doily off the nightstand and pin it at your throat. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tuck this silk hanky in my sleeve. <laughs> I've got just the thing to top it off. Here, Liz's blue silk bed jacket. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, oh, boy, these pants have shrunk since I last wore them. And mm. funny thing about pants. Hang them in the closet for a few years, and the waistline always shrinks. <laughs> well, I, I can fasten them if I hold my breath. <sighs> uh, here we go. My arm, Bill Brummel, charmed Lord Chesterfield. <laughs> up there, Liz. How long does it take George to put on a shirt and a tie? I don't know. George! What are you doing up there? We'll be right down, honey. I don't know what's taking so long. Maybe he's having trouble getting those old pants off without breaking them. <laughs> <laughs> he's really attached to those pants, isn't he? Well, sometimes I think it's vice versa. <laughs> you know, he doesn't just hang them in the closet He stands them up in the corner <laughs> I know what you mean And when he gets a hole in them, I don't mend it I solder it <laughs> Rudolph has an old leather jacket he's that way okay, about let's go to the movies Well, it's about time What in the world? <laughs> you're doing? George, be a lamb and see if my stocking themes are straight, will you? <laughs> what, madam, my lord? We're only going to a movie. But I might swoon in the lobby. <laughs> I'd hate to be carried to the powder room with a crooked stocking theme. <laughs> Very funny, fellas. Ha ha. Rudolph, get out of that ridiculous outfit. 
Now, we'll be late, George. Go up and get dressed. But I am dressed. Don't you see? With this morning coat and striped pants, if we get in an accident, I can be my own pallbearer. <laughs> you don't go change your clothes. You're going to need one. Now, go get dressed. Does anyone have any snuff? I haven't had a good pinch all day. <laughs> I'll give you a good pinch. You all know the word. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I'm confused. When I'm not dressed up, you don't like it, and when I am dressed up, you don't like it. Well, I'm not going with you dressed like that. Can I wear my T-shirt and slacks? Oh, all right. I'll take off my tie and go in my shirt sleeve. Go in your underwear, but hurry. <laughs> While the men is showing. Come on, boy. Okay. Oh, my pants. There'll be a small delay, Iris. One of the men is showing more than the other. Turn to the Coopers, it is the next day, and we find Liz still smoldering over her defeat in the battle of the ties and tight collars. She's pacing up and down the living room, working out her frustration and trying a plan of revenge. Katie, the maid, comes to console her. Mrs. Cooper, Mrs. Cooper, relax. I hate men. You'll get over it. It's just too bad the other sex had to be men. <laughs> I wish there was something else to marry. No, 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 really. There must be something else for women to do besides wasting their time marrying men. I tried collecting butterflies once, but it wasn't as much fun. I <laughs> oh, forget it, Mrs. Cooper. Men are like that. Well, my man isn't going to be. If I could only get rid of all of his old clothes and get him to start fresh, I... Get rid of his old clothes. Hey! Come on, Katie. I'm going to make someone very happy. Who, Mr. Cooper? No, the old clothes man. I'm going to take all of George's old clothes and give them away. <laughs> oh, would you look at this wardrobe. Pretty gruesome. You know, maybe George got these from the old clothes man. <laughs> Where do we start? How about this corduroy jacket? Oh, that stale thing. You better shake it. There may be a bird's nest in the pocket. Yes, ma'am. I was right. Look, an egg. <laughs> That's a golf ball. Oh. <laughs> well, here we go. Here, take this flannel bathrobe and this hunting shirt. This leather jacket with the elbows out. <gasps> Look at this awful tweed suit. Ugh. Um... I could use some dust rags. Here. Thanks. And take this pair of slacks in his rain hat. Not his rain hat. That's sacred. It's also holy. <laughs> Look, Katie, it's just a case of who gets it first, me or the sanitation department. Well, I hope you've decided what you're going to tell Mr. Cooper. Oh, I'll think of something. Right now, I have only one thing to worry about. What's that? The old clothes man may refuse them. Hey, 
Busy, Mr. Atterbury? No, no, come in, George boy. I was just warmly remembering the great victory we won last night. <laughs> I think we taught them their lessons. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Hello. Is um, George Cooper there, please? Yes. He's right here. For you, George. Oh, thanks. Hello. Mr. Cooper, my name is Adam. I'm the local used clothing dealer. Yeah? I thought you'd like to know. I uh, just got in a hot shipment of old clothes. <laughs> oh, look, you, you, you've got the wrong George Cooper. I'm the vice president of this bank. Yes, I know that. Well, why do you tell me about some old clothes? Because they're yours. Well, look, I don't care. Mine? Yes, sir, just left your house. Your wife was shoving clothes out the front door faster than I could pick them up. <laughs> Looked like an explosion at the laundry. <laughs> what a dirty trick. Liz sold all my old clothes to the junk man. Yes, he's inhuman. <laughs> I tell you what, Mr. Cooper, I'll bring them over to the bank if you like. Oh, would you? Well, I'll see that you make a profit on the deal. Oh, don't worry, I'll see to that. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, uh, collecting men's old clothes from their wives is a nice business, but uh, I make my real money selling them back to the husband. <laughs> uh, well, uh, bring them over. I'll be waiting. Okay. Oh, say, before you hang up, uh, will you switch me over to a Mr. Um... Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, uh, Mr. Atterbury. Atterbury? Oh, God! <laughs> We'll both be waiting. Now, hurry up over. Well, how do you like that? <laughs> Mr. Atterbury, are you all right? Yes. yes. I've got an idea, boy. What? Run down to Miller's department store and ask them to give you some suit boxes. New ones. Then we'll put our old clothes in the boxes, wrap them up, and when we get home tonight, we'll tell our wives we've got a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> My little husband tonight. Ooh, what's in all those boxes? Mm, sort of a surprise. Miller's department store. Mm -hmm. George, you bought some new clothes. Yeah, I bought them all right. Well, it's a lucky thing because I have something awful to tell you about your old clothes. You have? Yes. Yes, George, I got to feeling guilty about last night. After all, if you want to wear old clothes, I should let you. Yes? Well, I took all your old clothes out and started to clean them for you. Oh? Well, you know how easily that cleaning fluid catches fire. Yes. Well. Dawn? You believe me, don't you? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, then I'll go on. <laughs> Where was I? You know how easily that cleaning fluid catches fire. Oh, yes. Well, I was too near the stove, and a spark got on them, and all your clothes burst into flame. My goodness. All that was left was a few little ashes. Dirty ashes. <laughs> Are you mad at me, George? Oh, not at all, dear. That's the kind of thing that would happen to anyone. Oh, you're wonderful, George. <laughs> Here, let me show you what's in these boxes. Okay. There. Ooh. <laughs> well? 
What do you think? Mm-hmm. They sure did a good job of sewing those ashes back together. <laughs> Liz, hmm? I bought these from a man today. Oh, well, what luck, finding a set of clothes just like the ones that burn. <laughs> yes, wasn't it a break? Yeah, it's too bad we still don't have the others. We could dress alike, sort of mother and daughter bum suits. <laughs> Liz, hmm? aren't you ashamed... Well, um... You've been acting like a child, haven't you? Well, as long as you're being big about it, I guess I can, too. It was a dirty trick, and I was childish. Now, if you act that way, then I'll have to treat you according. Hmm. Come here, Liz. What are you sitting down for? Over my knee. <gasps> you wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Come here. Oh, if you spank me, I'll tell Mommy. Well, that doesn't work anymore, does it? <laughs> No, it doesn't. Now, George, don't. Oh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Oh, George, don't. Out. Now, you stop it. Oh, George, when did you hear this? Are we going to blow it? Oh, I'll run right home and get into 
one of Rudolph's tacky outfits. You don't need to. George's closet is a place where old clothes go to die. <laughs> and you can wear his old fishing pants. They're just horrible. And his checkered cap and a sweater that's so old it has mending on the mending. <laughs> Sounds very chic. Yeah. <laughs> and I know just the thing to top it off. A hideous hand-painted tie. It's blue with an orange eagle flying over a purple tree. What a monstrosity. Wait till you see it. I already have. We gave it to him for Christmas. <laughs> well, let's get dressed, shall we? What's keeping Liz and Iris? Oh, they're probably home primping. After all, we told them to look their best. You know what that means to a woman. Yeah. Well, I wish they'd get here. The photographers want to get a shot of us with our wives. Well, that's funny. Look over there, George. Where? Coming up the steps. Two clowns. <laughs> I didn't know there was a circus in town. They're not clowns, they're bums. L look at the rags they're wearing, that, that checkered golf cap. And did you ever see such a shapeless hat? Never. You, George, Rudolph! Oh, God! <laughs> Quick, boy, through the lobby and into the elevator. Oh, the elevators don't work this late. Don't quibble! Open the doors and jump down the shaft! <laughs> We wanted to look just right. And you don't know them, George. Here, my good man, here's a quarter for a cup of coffee. Now scram. Uh, where are we going to eat dinner, George? Oh, it's no use. What's the meaning of this, Liz? Meaning of what? We're just being casual. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, Mr. Atterbury, how long do we have to wait? Ow, you stepped on my foot. Oh, I beg your pardon, mister. <laughs> now, just a minute. When are your wives going to show up? Well, they're, uh, they're, they're not here yet. They should be here soon. What do you mean? I'm Mrs. Cooper. And I'm Mrs. Atterbury. Well, I'll take the picture anyway. Maybe the editor can put it on a comic page. <laughs> the editor? Yes, editor. For your information, Mr. Atterbury and I have been chosen as the two best-dressed men in town. I don't believe it. I don't either. Oh, it's true. And I gotta get their pictures with their wives in the morning paper. Oh. Okay, everybody, a big smile. Don't you dare take that picture. We'll go home and change our clothes. Yeah, you can get a picture later. You up there with that big camera. Don't you take any pictures for your paper either. Oh, he's not with a paper. Well, then what's he doing? Time not to take our picture. It's a little late, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> You've been on television for the last ten minutes. Yes, Lucille, what's on the docket for tonight? Tonight, Robert, to start the new season, I am a shy young country girl, a beautiful little flower visiting the city for the first time. And I'm the city slicker? Right. Take it away, Wilbur. Well, hello, my beautiful little flower. Hello, man. 
Uh, did you uh, drop this handkerchief? Oh, no, you don't. My mother told me about fellas like you. <laughs> she did? Yep. Why do you think I dropped my handkerchief? <laughs> I uh, want to talk to you about Jello. Oh, you're going to sweet talk me, huh? <laughs> A Jello comes in six delicious flavors strawberry, raspberry, cherry, yep. orange, lemon. No! <laughs> yes, and lime. Well, that's enough talking. Kiss me. <laughs> now, look, there'll be none of that until I finish talking about Jello. Ooh, gonna play hard to get, eh? <laughs> Come here, you. Put me down. <laughs> oh, shucks. There. Now, where was I? Up here. Put me down. <laughs> well, you don't have to get in a tizzy about it. When you wrestle. Now, may I finish? <laughs> Jello makes you think of the real ripe fruit itself. No. Yes. It shall. Yes. So look for the big red letters on the box. Hi. What does that spell? You don't know you knew the letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can spell, but I can't read. <laughs> you see, I'm working with dog and cat now. Oh, you are? Yeah, but they're doing better than I am. <laughs> well, when you learn to read, you'll find that Jello is wonderful. It is? Because the flavor is locked in by a special process. Yes, and it can't get out till your first delicious spoonful. I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me. Now, um, how about that kiss? Oh, no. Yellow sounds better to me now. <laughs> Night, Bob. have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Lucille Ball can be seen starring with Bob Hope in Paramount's picture, Fancy Pants. Bob Lamont speaking. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Johnny Duller. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.